again. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number 13. We're looking this morning in the book of Numbers chapter number 13. And we will commence our reading at verse number 1, Numbers 13 and verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zechur, and we'll drop down to verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshua, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. In verse number 25, And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sinnest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And here is our text, verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. And possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. May God add His blessing to the reading of His own holy, inerrant, and infallible Word. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. Our Father, it is our desire as we come to this time that we open up the Bible. That, O God, that You'd speak to our hearts. That the true preacher, the true teacher would come, the Holy Spirit, and would minister to our hearts that would speak to us, that, O oh God, that you would give us a word in season. The God, if we need encouragement, that, O oh God, that thou wouldst give us encouragement today. God, if we need conviction, that, O oh God, thou wouldst convict us today. God, if we need to be stirred to serve thee more, O oh God, would thou do that great stirring within our heart and our soul. God, we pray, bless thy word to our hearts and give unction to the preaching we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled our message this morning, Amazing Faith. Amazing Faith. Today we live in a time of much unbelief and doubt. Like the children of Israel of old, we say, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And many a believer in a church live in a state of anxiety, uncertainty, in disbelief. And this is where many people find themselves even today as it regards this virus. They find themselves in a state of anxiety and a state of uncertainty and a state of disbelief. Can God do what he did many years ago? Can we believe and hold on to the promises of God? 
I want to build up to this text in verse number 30 and give you a little introduction here and uh, build the porch for you before we get into the house. Moses sends men from each tribe, as we read, to enter into the land of Canaan. We read that in verse number 2. They went into the land to see what it was. Well, what type of people dwell there? How strong, how weak are they? Are they few or many? Do they dwell in tents or do they dwell in strongholds? It was never the intent that when these men went into the land that they would ever decide not to enter it. They were determined that they were going to enter the land. They were just seeing how they were going to take this land and do the conquest. And as they go on this journey, Moses tells them to be of good courage in verse number 20 as they scout out the land and bring back the fruit of the land. In verse number 21 through 25, you find the spies entering the land. They saw the giants and the well-defended cities and they brought the much of the fruit. They were there for 40 days. In verse 26 through 29, we see the report of the spies. And behold, the fruit... And the people no doubt were excited when you read verse number 26 that we had read. They went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. You notice the first thing they do is they show them the fruit. They don't tell them the bad news first. They tell them the good news. Behold the fruit. And I can imagine that the people no doubt were excited. They were satisfied by seeing the fruit and no doubt maybe thoughts filled their mind. Let us go up and let us enter this land. But you'll notice in verse number 28 a negative statement. They say, nevertheless. They say, well, that's good and there's fruit in the land, but nevertheless. This is the description now of the difficulties and the impossibilities of the giants in the land. By this time, after they share with them about the giants, the difficulties, the great and walled cities, no doubt the entire congregation here is thrown into a state of panic. They likely cried out, the odds are against us. There's no way that we will ever be able to enter into this land and possess it. Within moments, all of Israel here was thrown into anxiety, despair, and alarm. And this is really key here. I want you to get this. Within moments, every promise God gave them concerning the land escaped their minds by reason of fear. And how many times is this true in our own life? That we know the promises of God. We know what God has said and what He will do. But out of fear we begin to doubt and disbelieve His promises. Can God furnish a table for us in the wilderness? Can God build this church? Can God do this? Can God save sinners? We begin to doubt the ability of God and what He has promised in His Word out of a state of fear. This sounds a whole lot like the church today. Like the children of Israel here. We look at how wicked the world is. Look at how wicked it is. Look at the corruption in politics. Look at the compromise, we might say, in the church. Look at the marginalization of believers. Look at the prosperity of wicked men. Look at the size of our churches. We're not prospering like others. Evangelism and missions and the gospel in light of the obstacles just becomes an impossibility. Pastor, you just don't understand how difficult it is. If you only knew how difficult this person is, how difficult this area is you just don't understand can I remind you that you we have the very same problem the children of Israel had 
Notice the problem. They took their eyes off of the Lord and they began to fix them upon the trials, the circumstances, the giants of the land. Is this not exactly what Peter did when he got out of the boat to walk unto Jesus? And remember, Jesus was there walking on the water, and, he, and Peter said, Lord, bid me come out unto thee on the water. And he began to walk out upon the water. And you remember what happened, that as soon as he took his eyes off of Christ, and he saw the waves, and he saw the wind boisterous, that he began to sink. But thanks be to God, he never sunk into the depths of the sea. He cried out, he said, Lord, save me. And what did the Lord do? Immediately he stretched forth his hand and he picked them up out of the water. They were not looking unto the Lord. I encourage you this morning to not be like the children of Israel here. Take your eyes off the problem, off the circumstance, off the giants, off the impossibilities and fix them upon Christ. That is where your eyes need to be. All the things I listed above are true. But we are to look to the one who is sovereign over all these things. We know Christ has all authority in heaven and earth. We agree with that. We know that he sits as sovereign king on a throne in heaven. We know that he is there seated until every enemy becomes his footstool. He has promised the growth of the gospel and the expanse of the kingdom. And while we know all these things, the obstacles and the roadblocks to ministry many times place us in the very same dilemma as Israel. And what was that? Unbelief. Can God? We can enter the land. It's impossible. We, we can't do this. They could not enter the promised land because of unbelief. But what does God do? What does God do here with Israel as they are in this state of unbelief, in this state of doubt? They, they, they see the giants. They see the impossibilities. What does God do? God raises up a voice of truth to shake the people out of their unbelief. Picture it here. Israel is in a panic of unbelief. Caleb now opens up his mouth in verse number 30 with complete assurance in God's promises. Caleb, you remember, if you look with me, in verse number 6 of the same chapter, well, he was one of the ones that were sent into the land. It says in verse 6 of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Can I remind you this morning that Caleb saw the exact same things that all the other spies saw? He saw the giants. He saw the difficulties. He saw the great walled cities. He saw all of that, but he came back still believing in the promises of God. He still believed that what God promised to Abraham, he would bring to pass in their time. What God promised to Moses, he would bring it to pass. That they would enter into the promised land. That God would fulfill every single one of his promises to his children. And my friend, what reason do you and I have to doubt his promises? We have no reason to doubt his promises. He had seen the giants, he had seen the walled cities, he had seen the same armies, but he was not moved by these difficulties and seeming impossibilities. He kept faith in the very promises of God. Notice with me our text in verse 30 now. Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Now this is an interesting phrase, the word stilled here. It means he commanded them to be silent. This is why I believe there was an uproar that was taking place amongst the nation of Israel at this time. 
after they heard the report of the giants and the impossibilities and the great walled cities, that Israel, the whole nation was thrown into an uproar. And Caleb stands up and stills the people. And the Hebrew word there for still means to command to be silent. It was as if Caleb stood up, to use vernacular today, he, he almost stood up and said, stop with this nonsense. Stop with your unbelief. Stop with your fear. He silenced them. This was an act of God. I don't know if you've ever been in a large crowd and tried to get everyone to be quiet. It's rather difficult. But here, Caleb, filled with the Spirit of God, stands up and stills the people. And Caleb would now call the people out of unbelief and fear into faith. You read that there was something different about Caleb. There was a grit. There was a backbone, as it were, within Caleb. Look with me in Numbers 14 and verse 24. You read a little bit more about Caleb in verse 24 of Numbers 14. He said, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherewith he went, and his seed shall possess it. There was something different about Caleb. He had another spirit within him. He didn't have this spirit of fear. The Lord has not given to you and I a spirit of fear, but the spirit of love and of a sound mind. May God make us men and women with a spirit like Caleb that believe in the promises of God despite the mountains of impossibility that lie ahead of us. So I ask you this morning, do you believe that God will save sinners in this city? Do you believe that God will do this? He has promised that He would. Do you believe that God will build this church? Do you believe that God will bring you a pastor? Do you believe that God will advance His cause? I don't want to be like the other spies that doubted God. You, you read about the other spies. You read about Caleb here. They had, an, they had a different spirit. You read about the spies. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We read about their outlook. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse number 28, we read there about these other spies. They say in Deuteronomy 1.28, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying the people is greater and taller than we, and the cities are great and walled up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Notice the difference between these spies. These were spies that discouraged the hearts of God's people. I think what we need today is more men like Barabbas, I mean Barnabas, excuse me. We need more men like Barnabas, sons of consolation that encourage the people of God, that encourage them to go on and believe in God and His promises and to trust Him by faith. We don't need any cold water committees in our churches. And when you say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? We don't need anyone coming with cold water to put out the fire of faith within people that believe God to do something. We should be excited when God brings people into our church that have a vision and a desire and, a, and, a, and an outlook that God is going to do something in these days. We don't want to be like these spies that doubted the promises of God. God, give us a spirit and a heart like Caleb. And what does that look like? Go back with me to verse number 30. I want to show you three things now from verse number 30 of Numbers chapter number 13. Notice with me in Numbers chapter number 13 and verse number 30. Here is the scene again. 
We have Caleb there. You have Israel in a state of panic. And Caleb stands up and steals and commands the people to be silent. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I want you to notice, first of all, with me in this verse, this little phrase, let us go up at once. Here is Caleb issuing a call to action. That's my first point. Caleb issues a call to action. It's a call to preparation. Action is the first step when you are crippled by unbelief and fear. Here Caleb says, let us go up at once. Notice he did not say, all right, let's pray about this for a few weeks, whether or not God wants us to enter into the promised land. He didn't say, let's, let's wait for an opportune time, and then we will enter into the promised land. No, there are some things you just don't need to pray about. You just need to obey God and do it. And this is where the children of Israel are. They don't need to pray about entering the promised land. They don't need to pray about the, what lies ahead here. God has promised them the land. God has told them to go into the land. And now they're doubting it. There's just some things you don't need to pray about. Like coming to church this morning. You don't have to get up this morning and say, Lord, do you want me to go to church today? Uh, you don't have to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, do you want me to read my Bible today? Do you want me to pray today? Lord, would you like me to share the gospel with someone today? Those are things that we don't need to pray about. There's just some things we don't need to pray about. We just need to obey and do. And as it regards reaching the lost, what are we to do? Let's go up at once and let's do it. As it regards supporting missions, let's go up and let's do it. Notice this phrase again, let us go up at once. There is an urgency that drives Caleb here. He says, stop with the nonsense. Let's go up at once. When you think about the phrase, go up at once, my, what my mind goes to is, let's just stop talking about it and let's do what God has told us to do. There is an urgency that is driving Caleb. Even as I thought about this urgency and this driving of Caleb, my mind went to Mark's account of Jesus being led of the Spirit and brought out into temptation. And Mark's account says, immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. He was driven into the wilderness. And we need this drive behind us like Caleb had. In Caleb's book, the land needed to be conquered yesterday. They needed to just believe the promises of God and just go on with God. So I ask you today, the call to you today is urgent, up at once. It's to all of us today. It's urgent. What are we going to do for Christ now? You know, there's a poem that we normally quote. We only quote part of it. We say, only one life will soon be passed. And only what is done for Christ shall last. And we normally end there. But the poem doesn't end there. The poem says this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ shall last. And when I am dying, how glad I shall be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. So I ask you this morning, is there this urgency to burn your life out for Christ? To do everything in your life for Christ? To be like Caleb with a state of urgency. Let's go up and let's do something for God. Let's take the land. 
Oh, that God would fill our churches with people with this desire just to do something for God, to have a desire to go on with the Lord and just do and accomplish something for Him. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for next month. Don't wait for next year. No, today up at once. So ask yourself today, what can I do today for Christ? No, what can I do tomorrow for Christ? Because it might be put off to the next day. What can I do this moment for Christ? Let us go up at once, was Caleb's response. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. Up and believe God's promises. Let's go forward for Jesus' sake. You know, there was a a song we used to sing in Sunday school, I remember many years ago. There's a little song that we sang. It went like this. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. And that is still true for you and I today, child of God. Every promise in the book is ours. And we can embrace the promises of God. But will we be like Caleb here with this urgent spirit, with a call to action? Let's do something now. I'd encourage you, I'd encourage anyone listening, that do something now today for Christ. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Serve Him now while you have life. Redeem the time because the days are evil. You do not know what a day might bring forth. Do what you're doing for Christ today, not tomorrow. Notice He said, let us go up at once. This was a call to action. But then notice the next phrase, and possess it. This is a call to acquisition. This is a call to possession. There was not a single doubt in Caleb's mind that God promised them the land. Not a single doubt in his mind God promised them the land. He believed in God's promises. Guess what God has told us? That he would save sinners. We should believe that. And still a number of years later when we get to the book of Joshua... Still a number of years later, God would tell Joshua in his old age that there remained yet very much land to be possessed, so the work wasn't even done in Caleb's day. Spiritually speaking, there is still much land to be possessed all around our land. Much land remains and needs the gospel preached to it. And God has promised to give us the nations if we would ask in believing prayer. Psalm 2 and verse 8, ask of me. And I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Are we praying this way? Are we praying for our community? Are we praying that God would give us this community, that he would sway the hearts of sinners by his sovereign grace, and draw them to Christ, and build his church, that we might see a little bit of heaven upon earth, that we might experience what the Lord said in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we might experience a little bit of that here on earth. I want to ask you the question, did the psalmist really mean that? If you ask him that he would give you the heathen for your inheritance? I believe that. If we pray in believing faith, God will save sinners. He will give us the heathen for our inheritance. He has promised to make his name great to all nations, Malachi 1.11. And this was the theme verse at our church in Maine. That from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name will be great among the nations, saith the Lord. God will make his name great. God will magnify his name from one end of the earth to the other end. He will draw people to himself and he will save a multitude of sinners to glorify his name. We need to go in faith claiming William Carey's mighty missions text. 
I want you to look there with me to Isaiah chapter number 54. Isaiah chapter number 54. Isaiah chapter number 54, William Carey was the great missionary to Asia uh, and the father of modern missions. And this was the verse that he preached before the association. At that Baptist association, this is what he said in Isaiah 54 and verse number 2 and 3. He says, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. This is a wonderful promise to the church today of the enlargement and the building of the church and the enlargement and the extending of it that the tent of the church would uncover the entirety of the earth that it would break forth on the right and on the left and inherit the Gentiles this glorious building up of God's church in His kingdom. So we should be like Caleb. Let us rise up at once. There is an urgency here. The land is ours. And we need to rise up at once. And we need to possess it. We need to pray that God would save sinners. And that we would see a work of God in these days. But last of all, I want you to notice not only the call to action, the call to acquisition, but the call to accomplish. Look with me at the last phrase of verse 30 back in Numbers 13. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb issued a call to accomplish. We are well able to overcome it. They could only take the land because God promised them the land. God has promised us the nations, but where is our faith? He has promised us these things. We need to be praying with great expectation. So many times we pray with little expectation. We pray with doubt. And isn't it even amazing as believers in Jesus Christ how many times we have prayed with doubt in our hearts but yet God still answered prayer despite our doubt. But Jesus said if you pray for anything with, uh, if you pray for anything in my name without doubt I will do it for you. We are well able to overcome because we are well equipped to overcome. We have been clothed with power from on high. We have the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. Luke 24, 49. He says that you are to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We have a message with the authority of heaven and earth behind it. And though the task before us may seem daunting, we are equipped for this task. He said, well, pastor, I, I'm not, I don't really feel equipped for it. Can I remind you, God filled you with the same Holy Spirit that filled the apostles? The same Holy Spirit that filled great men of God and women of God we've read about in the Bible is the same Holy Spirit that fills you. The same Bible they read is the same Bible that you hold in your hand. And God is not slack concerning His promises. God will fulfill His promises. We have no excuse for not being about the Lord's business. The Holy Spirit is within us to guide us, to lead us, to empower us. So in conclusion, I want you to think about this. The need is urgent before us today. The promises are sure. And there is power from the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work. But where do you find yourself today as it regards your faith in the promises of God? Will you demonstrate faith in God despite all doubt like Caleb? 
But you say, you know what? I know what the world says. I know what this one says. I know what they say. I know they say it can't be done, but I know what God's word says. Because God's word says that I believe it. That settles it. I believe the word of God. Will you demonstrate faith in God despite all doubt like Caleb? Or like the children of Israel? Will you demonstrate unbelief in God despite all the promises like the rest of Israel? You can either be like Caleb today and believe God despite all doubt, or you can be like Israel and demonstrate unbelief in God despite all the promises. I'd rather be like Caleb today. I hope that's what you would desire to be today. I hope that you would desire to be like Caleb, that you would be one like Caleb that would stand up and say, enough with this. Let's just believe God and cling to the promises and pray until God answers prayer, until we pray through and get a hold of God. This faith in Caleb did not fizzle or falter at the end of his life. The thing I like about Caleb is he was consistent. He was consistently having faith in the promises of God. I want you to look at one verse in closing with me as it regards Caleb. Here Caleb is some 40 years of age in Numbers chapter number 13. But now we read about Caleb the old man in Joshua chapter number 14. In Joshua chapter number 14. And look with me at verse number 7. And we find Caleb the old man that did not allow his faith in the promise of, of God to fizzle or falter at the very end. Joshua 14 verse 7, 40 years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to a spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. And since the Lord spake this word unto Moses... While the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Eighty-five years of age, Caleb was. As yet I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. Both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereon the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in the day how that the Anakims were there. And that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said. And Joshua blessed the Lord and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh. Hebron for an inheritance. Here we read at the, towards the end of Caleb's life, he said back in Numbers chapter number 13, let us go up and possess the land for we are well able to overcome it. He had faith in God despite all doubt. And here we find him at the very end. There is a mountain that the Anakims are there on, the giants. And he says, give me this mountain. This land is mine. I will possess it. He still had faith in God's promises. Some 40 years later, still the same grit, still the same tenacity, same the, still the same Caleb that he was 40 years before. So I encourage you this, evening, this morning to demonstrate this amazing faith in God like Caleb had, to believe God despite all the doubt, despite all the impossibilities, 
Just look to Christ like Caleb did. Caleb looked to the Lord. Paul looked to the Lord. All the great saints of, the old, of old, they were looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The only way that we will go forward in our Christian life is not looking at what's just right before us, but we keep our eyes upon Jesus, trusting Him, looking to Him every moment, every day. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this Word. We thank You for the Word of God. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that what was preached today would find a firm lodging place in the hearts of thy people. That, oh God, that it would encourage them, that it would challenge them, that it would drive them. God, we thank you for your word. God, how we pray that you would even bless those who would listen in the days ahead. That, God, that you would just bless it in a mighty way. God, we even pray now as we would prepare to observe the Lord's table. That, oh God, that we would know the presence of the Lord Jesus. And that you would magnify your son Jesus in our midst. If we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.